and welcome to Clinical Care Options Infectious Disease Podcast. I'm your host, Jacqueline Meredith. This episode features perspectives on aging women with HIV. During this podcast, Melanie Reese, the Executive Director of Older Women Embracing Life, shares her views on the added challenges faced by aging women with HIV, an underserved, under-resourced, and under-researched group, and talks about potential solutions that should be considered. For more information about Melanie Reese and for a link to the full online educational program, please visit the link in the show notes for this episode. Now let's get started and hear what Melanie Reese has to say about challenges in aging women with HIV. My name is Melanie Reese. I am a black woman, 70 years old, who has been living with HIV for 23 years. And that gives me the uh, lived experience to be able to speak on the non-medical challenges in older women living with HIV. I'm also affiliated with, I'm the executive director of Older Women Embracing Life that was started in 2004 for older women who could not find a support group that discussed issues that were um, meaningful to them. And I'm also a board member of the international community of women living with HIV in North America. And uh, the whole board are women with lived experience and our executive director is a woman with lived experience and uh, we work with women all over the world who are living with HIV not just United States and Canada. This podcast uh, we're going to be talking about uh, what are the psychosocial issues Um, faced by older women living with HIV, and uh, mental health, isolation, and loneliness, lack of self-care. That's very important because we'll get to that when we go into more detail. Sexuality. Sex never gets old, but you would think that it ends because providers refuse to talk about it. And what are some ways we can address these challenges that we're going to be talking about during this time together. I'm going to start by talking about stigma, ageism, sexism, ableism, and of course, the big one, racism. All those issues that I just mentioned help drive the HIV epidemic in women. First of all, when HIV was first acknowledged as existing, it was not called HIV. It was called GRID, Gay-Related Infectious Disease or the Gay Cancer. And believe it or not, to this day, there are people in the general population who still believe that. And women have been impacted by HIV since the beginning. So sexism, we weren't included and we still are not seen. We are not heard. Not that we're not talking. We're not heard um, because we're considered in a real population in the HIV community. Women 
uh, have been uh, underserved, under-resourced, under-researched because to them, we're not the HIV epidemic. And um, we are because we are older and still living with HIV. And once you are living with HIV, you always live with HIV. It does not go away. People confuse undetectable as cure or not having HIV anymore. That is not true. You're just undetectable and can't transmit the disease to someone else during sex. Um, in the world, 50% of those people living with HIV are women. Women. So all across the globe, we are living with HIV and trying to thrive with HIV with not enough resources, not enough social services that speak to our needs, and uh, medical providers not listening to us and not understanding that when we tell you something is going on with us, pay attention and try to address it. Um, psychosocial um, issues are real and unaddressed can lead to um, unhealthy outcomes and can um, lead to uh, non-adherence to your medication regimen. Disengaging in um, medical care because you feel you're not seen, heard, and uh, dismissed. And uh, when we age, um, we were taught when we were younger that the doctor in the white coat, they're the knowledgeable ones. They're the ones you listen to. You don't question. You don't, you just take what they say and go. But that is not so because myself, for instance, I am an active participant in my medical team, not just with my ID doc, but with all my uh, health specialists. I'm part of the treatment team. So I make the final decision. On what is happening to my body because I am the expert and the women living with HIV, they're the expert. And we have to encourage the women living with HIV to have the courage to speak what's really going on with them. Be honest because they're there to give you the resources to address the things that you're afraid to tell them. And if you don't tell them, they can't help you. Um, mental health is a real thing. And in older women, depending on the communities you grew up in and the culture in that community, mental health may not be something that you are taught to address. We, I grew up in a family and a lot of people I know, what happens in this house stays in this house and is not to be leaked out at church, at the medical uh, 
at the doctors, wherever you go, it, when you're in the public, we have a perfect family. <laughs> no issues happen in there. So um, that carries on in how people see a doctor, what they take from a doctor, and how they apply what they've heard in their daily lives. And um, sexism. This is a paternal society. Women are second-class citizens. Racism is very important to talk about. And that's something that nobody wants to talk about because um, if you ask somebody, are they racist, they'll tell you no. But we all have unconscious biases that tend to come out when there are um, issues of, uh, of race. And women are thought of in the medical community as being strong, uh, have high pain thresholds, and uh, can bear discomfort. And um, so they discount when we talk about pain. And pain can be addressed not just with medicines, but there are other ways that you can help people tolerate their pain or lessen the pain and uh, they just discount it completely. And uh, when you're discounted by a medical professional, it increases your distrust and mistrust of the medical profession and less likely to follow any of the um, medical advice or um, treatment plan that they're giving to you. So um, I would suggest that you listen to your woman patient who is sitting across and know that they are whole human beings and that what they're in front of you today for might not be their HIV. It might be something else that's going on. And they might not be fully willing to give you the whole details. So you might have to do some probing to get it out. For instance, intimate partner violence, uh, being scammed financially, uh, elder abuse, being abused by uh, family members. Um, those issues are real and impact a person's overall health because when they're concerned about those things, those are instances where they will forget to take their medication or forget that they took the medication but couldn't remember it and take it again. So those are things that can impact the overall quality of a person's health and life. And um, um, women who are aged with HIV, they're concerned about memory loss, um, cognitive decline, um, and uh, they're really concerned about that because they have seen in their families or in their circle of friends where those issues are becoming more pronounced and they don't want those same things to happen to them. And 
um, they need to have a uh, neurological baseline exam to at this point, this is where you are. So when they find that it's declining, they can go in, get the test again, and they can measure and see what could be done to slow that progress or to um, strengthen, strengthen um, uh, their uh, ability to exercise their brain function like games, uh, word puzzles, uh, Sudoku, uh, all those things can exercise your brain and uh, they need to be encouraged to do so. Older women spend a lot of time taking care of everybody else. Their grandkids, their children, maybe their um, parents are elderly and need extra care. And by the time they're exhausted, they haven't even begun to take care of themselves. So they um, don't eat healthy or skip meals. They may forget their own medication because they're busy doling out medications for their elderly parents or their grandchildren. Um, and um, so self-care is not something that they do. And some confuse self-care with being pampered. Somebody else doing something for them, like a massage, med manicure, pedicure, um, getting their hair done, something that somebody's doing for them. But they really need to do self-care is taking care of themselves. Make sure they um, they bathe or shower, eat uh, healthy foods, take their medication, go to their doctor's appointments and follow their doctor's um, treatment plan. And uh, that would help them to stay healthy. But taking care of other people can be detrimental to your own health. And so they, we have to teach them what self-care really means and how to go about doing that. And sex never gets old. What made change is how you engage in sex. Because as you get older, you're not as uh, flexible, nimble. Uh, we don't swing from chandeliers or anything like that. Um, but you can still have pleasure and you can still achieve the big O and not by doing those acrobatic things. Um, but it's very important for your overall health care. Sex is part of the lifespan. Older women are interested in sex. Um, they're not asked if they're sexually active or involved or even interested in sex. And we were told to keep those types of things private and don't discuss them with your medical provider. So um, it's a two-way street. We aren't comfortable talking about sex with our doctors or our partners, and they aren't comfortable discussing it with us, but sex never gets old and it's very important and um, it needs to be done. It should be just a normal conversation 
and you everyone should feel safe to express themselves in the manner which is comfortable to them. And self-esteem has to do with appearance and how you feel about yourself. And society discounts aging people, your appearance, uh, HIV medications, weight gain, uh, fat redistribution. So the body changes and uh, women are self-conscious about their body. And um, so that interferes with their um, ability to have appropriate sexual partners or appropriate relationships. There are women who will accept inappropriate relationships just to say they have a relationship. And um, that's not healthy for um, that woman at all. And uh, are there solutions to these things? Yes, there are. And the solutions would be that more research needs to happen on the aging population, whether they're HIV positive or not. Not much is known because aging people are pushed aside and uh, attention is given to the younger um, generations. In the more research on aging, we need more research on HIV and aging and more research on women, especially aging women. Um, we're left out of the uh, clinical trials and uh, studies. We need to use people first language. People first language, um, pretty, for the most part, it prevents stigmatizing language that can create barriers between a uh, uh, medical professional, uh, uh, therapist, a psychologist, uh, a case manager, and the general public. Um, we don't stigma, stigma, stigma. Stigma is the society making judgments, condemnations, uh, uh, perceptions, and uh, thought process that are demeaning to people who are living with HIV. And we already have self-stigma because we blame ourselves for being HIV positive and uh, we uh, don't want anybody to know what our status is. And um, so uh, stigma is uh, a barrier that has got to be dismantled, just like racism needs to be dismantled, just like ageism needs to be dismantled, just like sexism needs to be dismantled, just like ableism needs to be dismantled. And they should be imploded and then rebuilt with people first language, with people first holistic. Um, um, everybody has mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, um, mental parts 
to them that make them whole. HIV is only a small part. And we have to make sure that the color that someone is, the age that someone is, if they have a cane or a wheelchair or a walker, that doesn't make the person. That is a, a tool to help the person navigate life. But we tend to discriminate and uh, dehumanize people who don't appear to be whole on the outside, but they are. We also need to change policies. We need to um, change standards of care. We need to change uh, the um, uh, laws that govern um, um, nursing homes, rehabilitation centers, uh, any place, assisted living, any place that is going to take care of those who are aging and need assistance in having care given um, that they aren't able to do for themselves. They're already serving people who are HIV positive. They're just not disclosing it. We are already there and then there are more of us coming. So they need to prepare for us because we're going to be needing those services. And uh, all of us, there's something that all of us can do to move the needle, to make changes until the bigger changes happen. Each one of us can look at somebody as a whole person and not just a disease, not just an age, not just a color or race or ethnicity, um, not just by are they a woman or a man, uh, who do they identify as. We all can do something and that will make a difference in how people see themselves and how they take care of themselves and how they manage their HIV disease. Thank you very much to Melanie Reese and thank you to our listeners for joining in. As a reminder, to view the full Conversations on Healthy Aging with HIV program on the Clinical Care Options website, click on the link in the show notes for this episode. And please be sure to check out for more episodes on important infectious disease topics. Thank you. Thank you.